Hey friends, I get personal in this week's Monday Musing. I have decided to remove the name of the person who gaslit me. I only reference her first name and this happened 14 years ago, so no way to identify this person. But um, the intention with sharing was to empower you with a real life example, not to roast someone. So on that note, if you hear just a blank space where clearly a name should have been inserted. That's why there's probably going to be about 10 different spots. So you'll hear me say, blank, why is there a face cloth on my baby's face? When you hear blank versus a name, that's why I've asked my editor to cut it out. It'll make sense when you listen. Be sure to listen to the end on this one. I think you're going to feel really encouraged to take charge of your health and not be treated poorly within the medical system. So on that note, let's get into the show. Here we go. Hey friends, welcome to Monday Musings with Michelle. Today we're going to be talking about gaslighting in the healthcare system. You may have had an experience where you've gone to your doctor and they have not taken you seriously. And they've dismissed your symptoms or uh, written a prescription for an antidepressant instead of treating uh, what's really going on or having enough curiosity or compassion to know. Now, I have to say that, first of all, obviously, this is not medical advice. I'm not a doctor. Anything dealing with your health or well-being, mental, physical, whatever, should be dealt with with your trusted healthcare provider. And that's at the essence of what I want to talk about is really finding those providers that honor you, listen to you, respect you, believe you, work with you. Um, Nobody knows your body better than you do. No one. You know when it feels off, you know when you're not yourself. And oftentimes we don't take enough care of ourselves and pursue Uh, and follow up to figure out what's going on or make adjustments because we're usually, you know, juggling so many different things. So um, let's just, I'm going to share some headlines. This is what made me want to talk about this. So I've had numerous doctors on the show and I had a cardiologist share how in residency, there was a woman who came in with some digestive issues, but she was having a heart attack, which is how women often present with heart attack. They can have some nauseous, nauseousness, um, gastrointestinal issues, uh, maybe not how men come into the ER displaying symptoms. And she said the woman was having a heart attack and they put the woman in a corner. And so she's on a mission to help empower women with the information they need so that they're taken seriously and can say, hey, no, 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 please investigate this further. I've had on a couple of different OBGYNs, one who admitted that during her residency training, she was taught to label women in uh, who are experiencing perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms as WWs, which meant whiny woman. So they would warn their colleague, you've got a WW in room three, for example. I had a urologist come on the show who said that in her training, she was told you don't want to deal with women. They're difficult. And she treats men and women. And she says she sees the difference between how we treat men and how we treat 
women. And when men come in with issues of low libido, uh, they're not dismissed and told they're getting older. Just have some wine and relax and realize you are getting older. She said, we treat the men, but often she sees that women have not been treated. They're either told to just deal with it because you're getting older. It's just a natural part of getting older uh, or they're prescribed antidepressants. So numerous doctors have come on. They've all talked about it. And even one doctor came on and talked about how she had been gaslit as a physician in her mid thirties when she was having all sorts of hormonal imbalance and was just written off again with an antidepressant. So I want to bring this to your attention because it's interesting. I've been following um, the New York Times well uh, page on Instagram as well as just like, it's like today. Um, so there was a headline. Her doctor said her illness was all in her head. This scientist was determined to find the truth. So this woman was pregnant. This was back in 1999. Uh, she had a rare disorder. And um, in this article, it says, Sometimes they dismiss it, meaning the doctors, as a temporary discomfort or even a psychological dis disorder. Um, and she said the the woman who was di incorrectly diagnosed said, my doctor pretty much thought it was all in my head. So she's on a mission to change things. Um, there was another story of a woman who was having what they call a um, it's a kind of heart attack. It's called a widowmaker heart attack. And she was misdiagnosed. Um, I'm going to try to pull up the story. And when I post this on Instagram, I'll just post the actual um, screenshots. Okay. Mom, for, this is from the Today Show on Instagram. I screen capture this. Mom, 42, had heavy periods for years. Doctors dismissed her. It was a rare uterine cancer. So she didn't get the care she needed right away, which oftentimes if you catch stuff early, it doesn't spread. So there's so many stories like this. And since this is a Monday Musing, we're going to keep it on the shorter side, but really here's the takeaway that I want you to take away from this. First, find doctors who, like I said before, respect you, treat you, take you serious, seriously, uh, don't mind questions, and you can have a conversation with. The system is failing us. It's failing the doctors too. We get seven to 10 minutes with a physician. So there's very little that they can do and they're gonna to try to diagnose you in a quick amount of time. If they hear enough women coming in with like vague symptoms or ones they don't know how to deal with, oftentimes they are gonna dismiss you. So find somebody who's gonna take you seriously and work with you. I would say I have two fantastic doctors and two that I am likely going to switch at some point because I don't feel like they really listen. Um, and, you know, if this is for your child, same goes for that, especially when it comes to your kid. If you're not in a relationship with the doctor who takes your concern or care for your child seriously and wants to write you off as being a worrier or something like that, just find one that will take care of, you know, will connect with you in a meaningful way so that you can feel like your child is getting the care that they deserve. Um, I think mother's intuition is often dismissed and discounted. I don't think, personally, I don't think there's anything more powerful when you get that intuitive hit, trust it, follow it, and learn how to dis discern when it's worry, like fear, 
and when it's truly that intuitive hit. But if it's that intuitive hit, then you have to stay true to that and learn how to navigate and um, find people who will work with you. Um, I also want to say that I do have a lot of compassion for the physicians and the nurses and the people in the medical system. I think people are doing the best they can. Uh, A lot of the doctors have come on. We've been talking a lot about menopause, perimenopause on the show. You'll hear the doctors mention that they maybe get like four hours of training in menopause. So the doctors want to find you a solution sometimes. And if they haven't had the training, they're not equipped to do it. And so part of our job is to find the physicians that do have the training that we need. Um, As I think of it, we are the client. We're paying a lot of money for our health care, and we deserve to get the care that we deserve. Um, and so paying attention to symptoms, writing them down, keeping a notebook or in your phone, the the note section. So sometimes if there's something that keeps recurring, I'll just note, oh yeah, this happened again. Or Because we forget. We're so busy. I hate that word, but we are, we have so much going on. And oftentimes too, we're fa- managing our whole family's healthcare. I know men hate to go to the doctor. If I didn't set up a well visit for my husband, he probably would never go. So we're managing their care, our kids care, and then our care. Um, I'm going to just share quickly, just an experience that I had. And would this be called gaslighting? I would say it's a huge failure. So when I I, I did a Living Angels uh, episode not too long ago where I talked about how my daughter was in the NICU and I mentioned that there was this really sadistic nurse. And I'll tell you why I said that. Um, when my daughter was born, she was born prematurely and um, they had to take her to the neonative intensive care unit. I wasn't told that she would be okay, that this is standard protocol, that she came, you know, two weeks early. So she's going to be spending those two weeks in the hospital. We're going to be monitoring her ability to regulate her temperature and to suck, breathe. There's like three things, whatever they have to be able to do on their own and just monitoring her. Um, Basically, they just took her from me and no explanation. I just remember the the OBGYN saying, let's get her out of here. It's cold. Get her get her down now, down a few floors to the NICU. And I was like, whoa, where's my kid going? So I literally met her for like a, a minute. My husband got to bring her over. I got to hold her little finger and say hello. And she was uh, out of my sight for hours. I had had an emergency C-section. So uh, they had to get me taking care of, I guess. And uh, it was at least a few hours, like five hours before I got even to see her. And they only let me see her for 10 minutes. And then they took me away again. And that is just, there's nothing natural about that. A child, a newborn needs their mom and a mom needs her baby. And the system's broken in so many ways. Um, There was no harm to her to have me there. Um, I don't know why they did it. And again, no explanation. So every eight hours, a new nurse would take care of my daughter in the NICU. They just rotated. So I was in the hospital those first five days. I got to go see her again, not as much as I wanted to or as long. And once I was discharged, I 
uh, lived in a fifth floor walk up and I know I had had a C-section and you're supposed to rest, but there was no time to rest. So I run up those five flights of stairs. I, you know, would pump the milk. I would get to the hospital as early as I could. It was usually around 8.30, 9 o'clock and I would stay till 9 to 10 o'clock at night as long as I could. Um, they don't let you sleep over. And um, again, like I said, every eight hours, it was a different nurse I was navigating. And there was this one nurse named, and she had a problem with vulnerability. She could just see that I was, I was sad. I was sad. I was happy that I had my baby. I was tending to her, but I just wanted her home. If anyone's been through this situation, they understand. You just want to be home. We happened to be in a very large Boston hospital. 30 babies in this unit. They're all about two feet apart. They're in their little incubators and there's monitors and they're hooked up and there's tons of noise and bright lights. And it's not a very peaceful environment for anyone. So for some reason, this nurse got assigned and unlike how it had been for the first week, I think she requested to stay uh, on with my daughter just to torment me. And I'll tell you why. So instead of eight, every eight hours, for some reason, it was this nurse. And um, my first interaction with her, she was like, oh, you're a worrier. If I could make a dollar for every time I saw you worry, I would be a millionaire and I could leave this job. And I thought, wow. And I could just sense, I said, you don't have kids, do you? And she said, no, I don't. Now, this is not to say that a nurse could not be loving and compassionate who doesn't have children, but it was clear to me that she was there was a complete disconnect and the lack of empathy for what I was experiencing. Um, I hated leaving my kid. Of course I did. This is my baby and I'm leaving here, her here. And you know, the first time I saw her, she had had Band-Aid on her little foot. They clearly had drawn blood. All this stuff had happened without me being there to hold her, to, to care for her, to nurture her, to comfort her. And again, I, I, I know they're all doing the best they can, and this is the, the system, but I think parts of the system are broken. So unfortunately, I was there, like I said, for the next day I show up, and there she is again. And I walk in, and there's a face cloth covering the entirety of my daughter's face completely covered with a face cloth, which is not protocol whatsoever. There's no reason that probably there should have been that face cloth in there in the first place. And what was interesting about the experience was that there was a doctor with me at that point, just updating me a little bit on what's going on. And I walked up, both of us did, the doctor and I walked up and she was standing there and I said, why is there a face cloth covering my daughter's face? And she said, well, well, it's the worrier. Relax. She's fine. Just like that, with a tone, totally dismissive. And the doctor didn't say a thing. She didn't say a thing. She didn't call her out on her behavior. She didn't call her out on how she spoke to me. And no one was quick to take that face cloth off my daughter's face, which is why I did. And I never got an explanation for why. So I was heading off to her lunch break and uh, a new nurse was going to come take care of me. When I say take care of me, up until this point for the week I had been in the NICU, because I had had a C-section, I had to get a wheelchair to get 
to the NICU, I was not supposed to be walking. Now they didn't realize I was running up and down my fifth floor walk up and doing what I could. I wasn't driving. You're not supposed to drive. I, I would get a ride to the hospital. Um, but you're supposed to be seated and they hand you the baby. And my daughter was in a different kind of incubator, which I wasn't aware of. And the reason I note that is that told the nurse that was covering for, for her, um, uh, this is Michelle. She doesn't like having any help. You don't need to do anything for her. And then the nurse walked away. And so did. And so I looked at my daughter. I wanted to hold her. Normally I'd be seated and handed my kid. And like I said, it was a different kind of incubator. The other one that she had been in didn't have a drawer, like a, a sliding drawer kind of thing that pulled out. It was just solid. So I went to get my daughter and the drawer slid out and my daughter almost fell on the ground. I still, 14 years later, makes me so sad and angry because I could have dropped her and I don't think she would have survived that fall because it was a good six, five feet or whatever it was. And uh, I couldn't say anything at the time, or at least I didn't feel like I could because this nurse, this very cruel nurse, um, was in charge of her and she clearly had some mental health issues. She was clearly burnt out. And so I felt very vulnerable and uh, not able to advocate in a way that I would have. Um, thankfully, after that, she was no longer um, in charge, Like, but she was still there rounding. Um, but I'm mentioning this because I think we've all had experiences where we aren't getting the care that we need, whether it's for ourselves or someone we love. And we're dealing with like multiple personalities, you know, whoever's being in charge of treating you. So I think it's very important to advocate for yourself when you can. So finding the primary care provider who you trust. So when they make a referral out, it's to other physicians that they trust. And it creates a situation where you are at least aligned to ideally get the best possible care for yourself. Um, but I'll never forget that experience. And I'll also, um, I watched how that nurse cared for other babies and she just totally ignored them, totally ignored them. She was not equipped. And there is a part of me that's upset with myself for not reporting her. But like I said, my goal is to get my daughter out and away from her and um, just be done with that experience. And then when I was out, I did call the hospital and I reported her, but I did it anonymously. And I, again, I kind of regret that too. Um, but the, the woman coordinator who worked for the nursing office said, could you tell me who we're talking about? And I said, I'm going to tell you my experiences, but I'm not going to say which nurse um, and I'm, I don't want to be public about it. And she said, can I guess, is it, and she said her full name. And I said, yes, it is. And I said, if you know, she's a problem. The fact that you knew who I was talking about, the hospital should be doing something about this. So they knew she was an issue. So again, there's many failures within the system um, from burnt out doctors to burnt out nurses. I had a doctor on the show talking about how specifically female doctors too are the most likely to um, take their lives. So they're under tre tremendous pressure. So in this particular case, 
What I care about is the gaslighting that is occurring. If you're experiencing that, or if your gut is telling you something, pay attention, do the preventative care that you can do show up for your mammogram, do get, you know, the preventative stuff. Do you follow the doctors that are in social who are trying to change the conversation and improve the care, especially for women, because women are not treated as well. And then when you're dealing with women of color, or I think, you know, anyone with an accent, I know that their care is not the same either, that they're getting even more dismissed. So we need to be our own best advocates. And that starts with knowing ourselves first and foremost. And if something feels off, follow up with someone you trust. Because the thing is, if you have a relationship with a provider that you don't trust, you won't speak. And you you may even choose to not go to the doctor anymore because you don't want to have these awkward conversations where you're not being taken seriously. So if any of this resonated, I actually would love to hear from you about it. Um, You can head over to thegoodlifecoach.com and comment on this um, post. It'll be called Monday Musings, uh, Gaslighting in the Metal in the Healthcare System. And uh post your experiences. Or you can also email hello at thegoodlifecoach.com or connect with me on Instagram at it's Michelle with one L underscore Lamoureux. That's L-A-M-O-U-R-E-U-X. So takeaways, take care of yourself, know yourself, note your symptoms, find the best care, best providers that are going to take you seriously for yourself and your family and have your questions prepared before you see any physician and get them answered. And if you don't feel satisfied, don't hesitate to find a provider who will give you the care that you need and deserve. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And I will be back with you next Monday. Bye for now. 